Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, we're going to talk about how to have amazing sex with your partner, even if one of you guys have a diagnosis of ADHD. Before I go deeper in this topic, I wanted to remind you guys that we recently did this series on various mental health challenges and their impact on our sexuality. It's part of our bonus episode. So if you're interested, please go ahead and check it. It's going to be the link going to be in the show notes. We had one on depression, one on OCD, and one on eating disorders. As I shared with you guys, our guest is Dr. Ari Tuckman. He he presented, he was part of our series in the past when he talked about sex texts and fidelity agreement and also teledilonics. And now uh, recently he did this wonderful uh, survey and research on the impact of ADHD in couples' relationship. And ADHD is a one of his primary focus, I think he published th- three other books around us. And of course, he's an ASAC sex therapist. So it's very helpful to have him talk about these two specialties that he he has and also have done research and clinical work around it. So we're going to talk about some of the findings based on his research and also what are some of the secrets of couples who report on having satisfying sexual relationship uh, when one of the partners was diagnosed with ADHD. So definitely stay tuned for that. Dr. Ari Tuckman uh, has given more than 350 presentations across America and in nine countries. His fourth book, ADHD After Dark, Better Sex Life, Better Relationship, was just published and is the first to examine how ADHD impacts a couple's sexual and relationship satisfaction how and how to improve both. You can learn more at adultadhdbook.com. Here's my conversation with Dr. Ari Tuckman. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to have Dr. Ari Tuckman back on our show. Ari, welcome to our show. Always good to hang out with you. Glad to be here. I am so excited to have you on this show. I know before we started the recording, we were talking about your book that I just recently got. And it's a fantastic and interesting book. And I, I don't know, I don't necessarily, uh, I'm not specialized in working with ADHD clients, but I see it, the couple dynamic quite often. And I'm so excited that we're going to talk about it today. So I know that when I came to your session in ASAC and also in the book, you talked about the survey that you conducted in preparation to doing the book. So tell us more about that. Sure. So, you know, I've been wanting to write this book for a while. And, you know, I know about ADHD and I know about sexuality and relationships. But the thing of it is we had nothing that talked about all of it together. You know, there's no research done on that, which, you know, there's lots of things that don't have research done on it. So I figured, you know what, before I start just making up my own ideas, which I'm very happy to do, I thought I would do this survey. So I put a survey together. It's like, and I went, truthfully, I went a little bit crazy. There were 72 questions in the survey. So online survey 
for people who have limited attentions, who are not getting paid, and need to click through a bunch of web pages. So like terrible design. But at the end of it, I got more than 3,000 people to fill it out. And I think what that tells us is there's a strong interest in it, that people felt this was important and they had something to say. So it was for couples where one partner has ADHD and one person doesn't. And because of having so many respondents and so many questions, it gave us a ton of data to take a look at to really understand how does ADHD impact the couple's sexual and relationship satisfaction? How is it different for the partner with ADHD and the partner without? And how is it different for the, you know, based on which member of the couple? Unfortunately, in the analysis, I didn't have enough same-sex couples, so I, I was only able to look at heterosexual couples. But it matters a lot if the man or the woman is the person with ADHD, and we can talk about that. But also things like what separates the most satisfied couples from the least satisfied. So that, you know, there's lots of ways to slice and dice the data to really understand what's going on in these relationships. So we know how to be most helpful to them. Well, I think, first of all, it's fantastic that you got that many responses. <laughs> Sometimes I feel I have like, I don't know, 10 questions in my intake form and my client with attention problems are not right. even answering that. <laughs> so it's fantastic that it kind of it was so important for them to share their message that they, they were willing to sit through this like 30 minutes of answering questions, which is fantastic. And what a needed area of research. And when I hear couples who are struggling with ADHD, one of the partners, I think about two categories of challenges. One is like relational component of things that are going to make things very challenging between couples. So they just don't like each other anymore and they don't want to have sex. And the other piece of it is like issues in the bedroom while people are having sex. So what were some of the findings that you found based on the survey that people kind of talked about their challenges? Right. So I think, so first, I think you're, you're hitting on an important point here, which is that there is, when it comes to a couple's sex life, meaning the sex they have together, you know, there's really, there's like three parts to it. There's so there's like my part, who am I, who, and who would I be in any relationship? There's the who are you, and who would you be in any relationship? And then there's the how are we together, right? And that's like a third entity. So in the survey, it was interesting because I found definite differences between the people with ADHD and the people without, and obviously Bender played a big role there too. But, but there's also an element here that we need to sort of consider, which is, how is this person in this relationship? So like the biggest example I think could be when you have a man with ADHD and a woman without, you find big differences in terms of levels of satisfaction, in terms of sexual interest, sexual eagerness. So is it simply that the guy with ADHD, that men with ADHD inherently on average just have a lot greater sexual interest than women without? Or is the lower sexual interest of the woman, you know, really a byproduct of the frustrations within the relationship and the inability of the two of them to work better together. And I think the answer, of course, is, well, it's both, you know, that it's not just about him and it's not just about her, but it's about how they're getting along. Right. And so I want to make sure I'm getting this right. So when you looked at men and women, the men with ADHD 
they kind of experienced more desire than women with ADHD? And I know it's correlational, but I'm kind of curious. I want to understand that that, that part of it better. Yeah. So, so one of the things that was really interesting that I don't know that I would have predicted or could have predicted, but I asked a whole bunch of questions, obviously, about the couple's sex life and people's sexual interests. And out of the 12 variables, 12 questions that had anything to do with what I call sexual eagerness, meaning things like desired sexual frequency, frequency of masturbation, frequency of porn use, how do you feel about your porn use, your partner's porn use, kinkiness, et cetera, et cetera. Like all those out of all 12 questions, the folks with ADHD rated themselves higher than the non-ADHD folks on 10 out of 12. And on the other two, the non-ADHD folks tied essentially the ADHD folks. So very, you know, men generally rated higher than women. So it, you know, ADHD more so than non, men more than women. And obviously this is group averages and there's always exceptions. But nonetheless, those with ADHD tend to have a greater, they feel their sexual interests more, let's just say. So this can be a great strength in a relationship. You know, and we all hear those couples who have been together a while and sex just sort of like falls off everybody's radar and then they miss it and the relationship is not as good for the lack of sex that they're not, you know, for the lack of sex. So having someone who is more sexually interested, more sexually attuned, more motivated to make sure that sex happens can be a real strength in a relationship. Now, the problem is now the double edged sword of this is if you have one person who's really into it and one person who really isn't, either because generally overall they're just not that interested, or they potentially could be, but they're too angry with their partner to want to go there. It just becomes another source of dissatisfaction and disappointment and another thing to argue about for at least one partner, but probably both. So that's the, you know, so the the couples where the man has ADHD, the woman, this is like the stereotypical dynamic, and the woman feels overburdened, frustrated, ignored. The guy feels forever criticized, you know, pestered, reminded of every shortcoming, feels like he's being controlled because everything has to be her way. You know, both of them are feeling frustrated and unhappy. Some of that's ADHD and some of it's just any couple. And, you know, sex then just goes out the window and then it becomes another place where they're not doing well together. As you mentioned, Big part of it, I think, like, I guess, at least part of it is the couple's issues around the kind of relationship piece. And at times, the difference with it, whether the one partner is willing to be participant in sex because whether they don't desire the partner or they're not doing, like they feel their partner is not doing their share of work at home or outside the house or outside the bedroom. But about the sexual dysfunctions, have you know, like have, what did you find around like sexual challenges when, when people finally navigate all this kind of like challenging situation and they are in the bed together? Right. So on the one hand, I didn't ask specific questions about you know, specific about any real sexual dysfunctions, meaning like erectile difficulties or painful intercourse or whatever. I just couldn't, there are just too many damn questions already. But what I did do, three of the questions were open answer, meaning instead of clicking, you know, a button of like, you know, quite a bit or not a lot or whatever, people could type in. And one question was, what would make your sex life better for you? 
Another question was, what will make your sex life better for your partner? And then the third is the open-ended, is there anything else I should know? Now, to the credit of the people who filled out the survey, I got almost exactly the same number of responses to what will make your sex life better for your partner as well as what will make it better for you. So, you know, let's start there. A little fairness and generosity is always going to do you well in a relationship. It was interesting because in those comments, and you will be surprised not at all by this, there were people who discussed, who, you know, described sexual performance issues like erectile problems or painful intercourse or side effects or medications, things like that, in that it really tanked their sex life or had a negative effect on things. And there were couples who described those same exact problems and that it was not an impediment for them to still connect well with each other in this way. Mm -hmm. So I think that if there are any of those particular issues, it's all in how they get addressed. But if there's all these other struggles, all these other ways that you're not connecting well, it doesn't take much then in the sexual side for things to then fall apart. It's just sort of like the couple doesn't have it in them to deal with one more thing. Well, also, I think one other interesting thing that I read in the book was around the medication. I always thought that at least my clients who were taking medication, they would do better all around. But mm-hmm. I think the finding of your book was surprising. So tell us more about that. Right. So this this was awesome. Like, I don't know why I take such great joy in, in the research completely disproving some ideas I had. But yeah, standard advice was... If you have ADHD and you find yourself distracted or impulsive during sex or delay, you know, trouble delaying gratification, medication should be helpful because just like it helps you pay attention to boring meetings at work, surely sex is exactly the same thing as a boring meeting at work and it should be helpful there too, right? So the theory makes sense, but when I ask the, que- I ask the question, to what extent do you find that stimulant medication is helpful during sex? And I seriously, I don't know that I would have bet my house, and I, but I might have bet my car kind of thing. You know what I mean? Where I was like, I totally know how this is going to go. And thank God I didn't bet my, my car because I'd be walking now. Because when I looked at the data, 47% of the people said it had no effect, positive or negative. And well, let me actually, let me specify. So I said, some people said, you know, they didn't take medication during sex. So like, we'll take those people out. Of those people who did have medication, 47% said no effect at all. Then all of the other answers, you know, a small positive effect, small negative effect, moderate positive, moderate negative, large positive, large negative, all of those other answers got about three to 5% pretty evenly. So basically at the level of group averages, it averaged out to exactly zero which means we cannot make a sweeping recommendation that medication will improve your sex life. Now, if you are one of those people for whom it does, then you should definitely take it or plan to have sex while the medication is working. But for most people, it doesn't actually have any benefit during sex. And maybe it's just because this, you know, sex, once, once you're having it, it's interesting enough, it holds your attention, everything is good, you know, we're doing well here. Now, where medication does help, is on managing your life and doing well together so your partner actually wants to have sex with you. Well, so. I think, and I think that's fantastic, but it's so counterintuitive because you think yeah. like ADHD medication are stimulant and stimulants are great. I mean, when people are on drug, they have great sex. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that that was the founding. And I think 
a part of me wondered that I think like in order to be able to get in the zone or kind of being present, you need to pay attention. So why do you think there's a difference when it comes to sex and the other parts of their lives? Yeah, exactly. So I think you're, you're on the right track here. And I think that, I think what it is, is that once you get started on sex, and I don't mean actual like intercourse, but like wherever things really kind of begin to get hot and heavy, I think it's, it's that it's, it's inherently stimulating enough that, you know, the person with ADHD, they kind of get in the zone, they get fired up, they're in the mood, they're good to go. Now, you know, I asked the question, how often do you get distracted during sex? And on the one hand, on average, everybody gets distracted, at least sometimes, like that's totally normal means nothing. Folks with ADHD do get distracted a little bit more. Women with ADHD especially get distracted more so than everybody else. But it's not, it doesn't seem to be, for most people, problematic enough. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of there, but it's not an issue. What I did find, though, was for women more than men, kind of that switching gears to getting into sex mode was harder. And especially for women with ADHD, it was harder to just sort of like let go of the clutter of the day and just sort of be present in the moment. Probably a bit of medication could be helpful there if I had to guess. And given my track record, I don't know if you should believe what I'm saying. But, but you know, if I had to guess, I'd say that's probably helpful. But I think what it but also what it speaks to in terms of recommendations is making sure that you prioritize the time to be able to sort of ease your way into sex, to reconnect, to have some fun, to start things off at whatever pace. Like quickies are awesome, like go for it. But, you know, when you have the luxury to be able to take that time, but actually, no, let me not say take, let me say make. Like, again, it's like prioritize it so it's not the last thing. And to really kind of make sure that you're working well together during the day so that once you get to a point that sex is a possibility, that then you're both in the right frame of mind and mood to do it. As you were talking about, I was thinking about, <laughs> and I, I'm, I have an issue with attention myself too, and like your conversation is very interesting. But I guess the other piece was, I was thinking in the book, did you write that uh, having sex make you a better person? Did you did. have a section on that? Do tell us I about did. that. Yeah. So I have a whole chapter on that. And this was the not only the hardest chapter in this book to write, but this is my fourth book. So I should be as good at writing books as I've ever been. This was the hardest chapter in any book I've ever written. So, so it's really all about the idea that keeping sex good in a relationship, and this is ADHD or not, like... Keeping sex good requires us as individuals to really do the hard work in the relationship. And sometimes it's just this stupid, mundane annoyances of life of like, who's scooping the cat litter and who has to load the dishwasher. But it's, it's also sometimes it's the bigger stuff. Like, do I feel like you're there for me? Do I feel like you understand me? Do I feel like I can tell you something really vulnerable and you're going to not bite my head off or judge me for it? And that's can be really hard to do, you know, but that the desire to have a good sex life, like that as a motivator, forces us to do the good work, to do the hard work, to behave well during the day so our partner wants to have sex with us. But then also having that great connection, then I think it encourages good behavior afterward because now we feel much happier with each other. We feel closer. It's easier to deal with the daily grind of life. 
So I have a saying that a good relationship is one that forces you to be a better person. And that's absolutely true when it comes to sex as well, that that process of keeping sex hot means being able to be honest, being able to hold ourselves accountable, being able to do the better thing, especially when it's hard to do it, and also holding our partners sort of to equally high standards. Well, I think that was that was a fantastic point that you made in the presentation at ASAC that actually really stayed with me because I hate personally mundane things. I hate household work. I, I rather work like 20 hours per day in office or do like yeah. washing dishes. And I know that you talked about that. Okay, so if you're managing your issues, if you're doing your part, then you get rewarded accordingly in bedroom, which kind of makes sense, but I never made that connection. And I think that that, that, that kind of like a, that's a wonderful reframing that, that you mentioned. Right. Yeah. And it's that, you know, it's that managing your life well is foreplay, you know, like dealing with all the daily stuff is what kind of gets us in the mood. And for our couples with ADHD, where our couples where 1% has ADHD, managing that well, putting in the effort, being a good partner in multiple ways makes the sex better also. And it makes a relationship overall better. And, you know, when I paid some stats guy to do a bunch of really scary statistical number crunching that I wanted no part of, you know, when we looked at what separated the happiest couples, like in relationship wise, sexually, it came down to a bunch of different variables that basically all had to do with being a good partner, being a good team member. And, you know, so sometimes that means doing the dishes, even though you don't feel like it. And sometimes it means, you know what, honey, I'll do it. Like, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. And if I feel like there's balance in our relationship, I'm glad to do it. And if I feel like there is not balance, like really, again, I'm doing the freaking dishes, you know, like seriously, now I'm resentful and now we've got a problem, you know? So so it's about balance, it's about fairness, and it's about having the right expectations. And I think it's it's a wonderful kind of, again, looking change in the dynamic of how people experience this possibly. Because when you are kind of like hard on your partner and saying, here, here again, you didn't take out the trash or kind of like shame on, you, shame on you for not doing the dishes, it's like a reminds us of like a parent-child relationship. But yes. if there is this way of, okay, I'm doing this for someone I love and then we're going to have great sex, then that's a way like a lover-to-lover connection which is significantly mm-hmm. more attractive and sexy versus like uh, like my mom telling me like do you got to do this in order right. to go out and play yeah parent child dynamic is a total sex killer and there's a lot of biology at play that makes us not feel sexually attracted towards people that we feel parental you know so you know it becomes a thing we're being the nagger isn't sexy, but being nagged at isn't sexy either, you know? So those are the couples who really struggle. And, you know, part of this thing of like sex makes you a better person is if you feel like I'm not carrying my weight, then you need to do the hard thing of being really direct and honest with me and saying like, look, this is really important to me. You said you would do it. You're not doing it. And then for me, you know, my part of that would be to recognize, you know what, yeah, she's right. Like, damn it. You know, she's right. Or maybe even, I don't know, this whole wound in the dishwasher is stupid. I don't get it. I don't understand why it's so important to you. But like, I don't have to get it to do it. Like, I just have to know this matters to you. So, 
So it's that pushing myself to do that better thing when I don't really feel like it. But it's but to then be able to hear what you're saying without getting defensive, without minimizing, without changing the subject of, yeah, but you leave your socks around. Let's talk about that. In that process of being able to be really honest with each other, being able to know when to pick a battle to say, this is too important. I cannot let this go. Versus when to say, you know what? This is who my partner is. I love a lot of other things about them. This is always going to bug the crap out of me, but, but whatever, package deal, I'm not perfect either. I'm going to let that go. I'm going to change my expectations and then be happier. What were some of the other findings you found about couples who were really making it work in the bedroom and in the relationship? So here's, here's a little tidbit that, unfortunately, I discovered this after the book was was already like going to press, which is kind of how it is. You know, you're always coming up with new ideas. So one of the questions I asked was, how hard are you working on your or your partner's ADHD? So whichever, regardless, you know, how, are you, how hard are you working? And then I asked a second question, how hard do you feel your partner is working? And first of all, not surprising, everybody rates their own effort higher than their partner's effort, right? Now, you know, okay, fine. You know, some of that is just the idea that I know I see every single thing I do. I don't see every single thing you do. So sorry, honey, you don't get credit for what I don't see. But then when I took the answers to that question and compared it against how people answered the question of how happy or how happy they were in their relationship, and also in this case, how much sex they were having, the folks who felt that their partner put in the least amount of effort compared to the folks who felt their partner put in the most amount of effort. The folks who put in the most amount of effort had 60% more sex than the folks who had the wow. least. It was 55 times a year versus 92. Oh, God. Now, on the one hand, lots of bad sex doesn't add up to lots of good sex, you know, but presumably the sex was good and the fact they were having more sex reflected the fact that lots of other things were going well in the relationship. Now, on the one hand, through other analysis, what I know is if you feel your partner is working hard on ADHD, generally you find the ADHD to be less problematic, which makes sense. Like if we work on this together, obviously it's going to have less of an impact. But there's also another element of it, which is even if the ADHD is not particularly well managed, if I feel like we're both working hard, I'm a lot more forgiving about it. But if I feel like ADHD is not well managed and I'm blaming you, it's like if, if you were less of a slacker, then it would be better. Now I resent you for it. And that just compounds the problem. And if I resent you, I'm probably a lot less nice about it. And if I'm less nice about it, you're not going to bring your best to me, you know, and it's this sort of downward spiral that can develop. So, so the sort of simple takeaway from this is managing ADHD well, putting in the effort is an aphrodisiac. Like you will have more, if sex is important to you, you will have more of it if you put in that effort. I guess like wonderful kind of over, over kind of like overall uh, review of the, the couple's finding. As you were talking about this, I was thinking about how can a partner work on someone else's issue? <laughs> so what do you mean by that? Right. Okay. So that's a good question. So what it means is, let's say if, if you and I were together and you have ADHD, right? So then what would I be doing? You know, it could be things like, I don't know, reminding you to take your medication or offering to run and get the refill or, 
I don't know, you find some great article that really speaks to you to actually read the damn thing so I know what you're talking about. It might mean changing up what I do so that it's more likely to work. So like yelling to you as you're running out the door in the morning, we need milk, get milk on the way home. Like that's probably not going to work out. I don't know how many people that does work out for, but like it's much less likely to work out for you. So like if I want milk, I should text you at 5.15 when you're on your way home, not tell you at 7.15 when you're leaving the house. So, you know, it's things like that of feeling like, of you feeling like I'm actively involved, like we are in this together, which is ultimately not just about ADHD. It's about overall, whatever you got going, whatever I got going, I'm in there with you and you're in there with me. So like being like a team versus thinking you got this issue and you have this issue and you got to fix it, which again, it's on the person to address it. But then what can I do to make it easier for us? Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, and it's one of those things like if this is, if I'm being impacted by this and I would like it to be better, I'm probably more likely to be satisfied with the outcome if I put my own effort into it. You know, like the more effort I put in, the more likely it's going to work out well, the more likely I'm going to be happy about it. So, you know, it's definitely not a thing of like, I don't know, getting a haircut where it's like, okay, honey, you go get that haircut. And then I'll be sitting here watching TV. Let me know how when you get back. So, you know, but even so, AD, I sort of sometimes say like ADHD doesn't invent new problems. It just sort of exacerbates the same struggles that are there for any couple. Like we all have to find ways to live together. We all have to find ways to work well together, to try to understand why our partner is who they are and why they do what they do. And to sometimes recognize like, yeah, I, I don't understand. I don't get it. Like I will never understand why you do that thing or why you have that sexual turn on or why whatever, but like whatever it is, what it is, there's still a lot else that I'm very happy with you about. So, but where ADHD is at its worst is when it's not diagnosed. So we don't even know that that's the reason why things are happening, but also if it's diagnosed, but then not really adequately treated. So like, you know, the name of the book is ADHD after dark. And the the reason for the title is that if you're living in darkness, that this is the reason it's a lot harder to figure out what to do about it. But once you get that diagnosis, once you maybe start some medication, start some different strategies, life gets a whole lot better. So I'm a really big proponent of increased awareness about ADHD in adults, increased diagnosis and treatment, because unfortunately, most adults with ADHD have not been diagnosed and have not been treated. Mm -hmm. If you've got a kid with ADHD, if you've got a nephew with ADHD, you might want to take a look at whether there's other ADHD because it definitely travels in families. It's wonderful that there are people like you that are passionate about this work and specifically around ADHD and sex. I didn't know there's just so much that you can write about it. When your book came, I was like, oh God, <laughs> this is a thick book about the title, about the topic, which is fantastic. And it was a fantastic read because, okay, it describes the issue. And also you talk about people's experiences, people from the survey and also the solutions. Because sometimes I feel people say, okay, so it's impact your sex life, which 
which you would expect to do. And then there's no solution after that. So I, I love that your book had this wonderful kind of like ways that people can kind of implement this strategies to have better sex lives. And, and it was a very kind of informative book, but also it was easy read. I was sharing with you that I read it on the beach, <laughs> which I can barely read anything on the beach. So I was like, oh, this is juicy and interesting. So I recommend people to check it out. So tell me, tell us about uh, where can we find your books, this, this book specifically, and other resources. I know you write for Psychology Today and all of those wonderful things that you do. Sure. So, you know, best place to find my stuff is adultadhdbook.com, which is the website where I have information about my books, about my podcast, upcoming presentations, recordings of past presentations or podcasts like this. Um, So that's definitely the best place to find me. And, you know, also I will be, so the big national ADHD conference is sponsored by the organization called CHAD, as well as an ADA, the ADD Association, as well as the ADHD Coaches Organization. We're going to be in Philadelphia this year, November 7th to the 9th. I'm presenting a session on this topic. I presented at ASEX, so I was bringing ADHD to sex. Now I'm presenting at chat and bringing sex to ADHD. So that is a great resource for anybody who's interested in learning more about ADHD. But, you know, if this is a part of your life or the life of someone you care about, you know, I strongly encourage you to learn what you can about ADHD because it will make your life better. Great, great. So guys, I leave the link to the show notes about Ari's uh, website so you can find the book and all of those wonderful resources. Ari, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was wonderful to talk to you as always. My pleasure. I hope you found our conversation helpful. I certainly learned a lot from Dr. Ari Talkman about what couples can do to have exciting, wonderful sex lives, even if one of the partners are diagnosed with attention issues or ADHD. And I think we all can benefit from when he was talking about kind of looking things about the thing that we're doing outside the bedroom are a form of a foreplay and can possibly be rewarded in the bedroom. Because as, as I was sharing during the interview, I, I just like, I don't have it in me to do household stuff. I'll do it. Even before my husband, I was single. I lived alone for, I don't know, 12 years and I was doing it. But thinking about that, kind of looking at this mundane things through the lens that's really important for my partner and can make the relationship better, therefore it's going to make the sex better, makes it more interesting and can increase the willingness to do things that you don't like to do. So I guess that that was something that really resonated with me. And I hope you, you guys be willing to experiment with that. Anyhow, Thank you so much for listening to this show. If you find this episode helpful, please share it and subscribe to this episode. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.